A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. He's the most amazing human being. Amazing guy, extraordinary energy, and he gave this life a good crack. I mean, he, mm. he fitted more in in his 52 years than most of us do in 90 of them. Warney was an all-time great, a once-in-a-century type cricketer, and his records will live on forever. Got him! There it is! number 700! And they can't catch him! We'll still be talking about Shane Warne in 100 years. What would I say? I would say that I would trust him with my life. I mean, he was he was just a brilliant, brilliant bowler. I mean, that's, that goes without saying. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. We can talk about him as a rock and roll character. He was generous to a fault. He lived life to the full. He was Peter Pan. I would rate him as one of the great enthusiasts for anything. Everything about Shane Warne was that good, the man and the cricketer. He was just a wonderful human being and it's just such a tragedy. I don't know how to really describe any more than that, to be honest. Put it this way, the game was definitely richer for having him in it, that is for sure. Um, and he, he made he made spin bowling, um, spin bowling cool, for goodness sake. Hold him! There it is, the battle's over! And Shane Warne gets his fourth. What a delivery! 2005 just epitomised what Shane Warne was. He could do what uh, others couldn't, and he would dare to do what others wouldn't. He was so good at times, you felt that he was trying to keep you in, just so that he could have a bit more fun. Of all the people you could imagine being a terrible loss, he's top of the list, really, because he gave so much. I say, you summed it up well, he gave so much in so many areas. The game was never the same after Warney emerged, and the game will never be the same after his passing. There was something elemental about Warney, like the wind and the rain, or the sun. He could be a wild and unpredictable ride, and he could be a warm and kindly neighbour. He brought things into our lives that were unique, and he illuminated the spaces we occupied. None of us would suggest that we were anything but lucky to stand in that light. It wasn't quite exclusively his world in which we lived, but it wasn't far from it. 
Shane loves Springsteen's music, and especially the most recent album, Letter to You. It finished with a song called I'll See You in My Dreams, which is a, a eulogy of sorts to a friend who has passed, and which Shane said had made him cry. Now the tears are ours for the loss of an irreplaceable brother in arms. Goodness, there's so much that we'll miss. He was very funny and great fun. He was naughty, but in the best sense, and he was smart in the streetwise sense. He made people happy, which is a gift, and he made people stronger with his support and with his counsel. He was generous, and he was kind. He put himself up for charity, an hour's coaching at Lord's with Shane Warne for ten people, and it would sell for a shed load, and he'd meet the buyers, charm them utterly, and do double the time with the group that they sent along, or longer still, if they were enthusiastic kids. He had friends in high places, and friends from the sticks. He learned to play tennis on the court in Bob Hawke's backyard, and years later fired up the pizza oven for Chris Martin and Ed Sheeran to have chilled nights in his own backyard. Michael Parkinson and Tim Rice took him out for lunch at the Ivy. Coldplay called him on stage to sing with them during a sell-out concert in Melbourne. At Sunnydale Golf Club one day, Sean Connery heard Warney was putting out on the 17th green and stayed behind an extra 15 minutes just to meet him. Bond wanted to meet Warne. He hung out with Danny Minogue, Jemima Khan, and became engaged to Elizabeth Hurley. And on Twitter, Mick Jagger, no less, mourned his passing. So, just over a week ago, we lost Shane Warne in shocking circumstances, really, from seemingly nothing. He'd always seemed indestructible to those of us who knew him well. And we certainly couldn't have imagined anything immediate in our lives that would happen without him around. He was a, a great friend, a great character, a, an enormously strong personality, and of course a brilliant cricketer. And over these two lunch intervals, uh, Darren Goff and I will celebrate him. First today, the man, and tomorrow, more specifically, the cricketer. Goffy is alongside me, knew him really well, played a lot of cricket against him. And is is missing his mate, really. It's as simple as that sometimes, isn't it? It is. Um, it, it hit me really hard, I must admit. Um, I was over in Dubai at the time. Um, I, I couldn't quite believe it. Um, I saw he'd posted um, the evening before. He'd just got there um, on a friend's holiday, time to chill out and stuff like that. And then you wake up um, the next day and you get that terrible news and... Um, it hit me hard as uh, as it probably did thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were lucky enough to meet him or play with him or against him. Because what he taught me, Mark, over the years is when I first met him, and I can't get on to one of the stories when I first met him, is just from watching a test match. He never used to sign during the game, uh, did he? Uh, sorry, during playing hours. But after the day, he used to sit there for hours and just sign every single autograph for every single person. And he taught me a lesson from on 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 that day when I first saw him do it. Is but you can be as focused as you want, but you have to give your time back to people that matter. And he used to sit there for hours, Mark, and you know him uh, better, better than anyone. And, and and he used to do that. But the first time I met him it was amazing, really. Um, a guy we both know, David Norrie, um, a journalist, uh, took me and Warney out in Brisbane. Uh, two days before the first test match I was going to be playing in, in 94. Warney obviously was a super, just coming through as a proper superstar then. And we went for dinner to this real posh fish restaurant in, in Brisbane. 
and David Norrie, typical, ordered him a bottle of wine for himself and had ordered the oysters to start and a fish main course, fish of the day, whatever. Me and Warney, and we'd never met, by the way, we both looked at each other and we both, just by looking at each other, knew exactly what was coming and it was toasted cheese and ham sandwiches and chips and a pint of lager and we both ordered exactly the same thing and we hit it off from that moment in time. Um, and we always kept in touch over many, many years, whether I played with him, whether we played golf together, which we all played golf with him on, on plenty of occasions. Um, and I've done a TV advert with him for Advanced Air Studios. Um, not my greatest advert, or is what we've done in our lives, but we, we, we've been friends for many, many years, and he's one of the few people I actually play with or against that I've kept in touch with. Uh, so that made it harder. I chatted with his father, Keith, this morning um, in Melbourne, and uh, he said that you know he was very overwhelmed. The whole family were very overwhelmed by everything that had happened in the last ten days of of their life. But but uh, obviously, it's a hell of a build up to the family funeral on Sunday, and then the state funeral ten days later. Uh, but uh, he said he, he, what he was most pleased about was the overriding impression that people had given of the person. Of the man, you know, we—it's sort of accepted how wonderful a cricketer he was, and we'll talk about that more tomorrow. But he was thrilled that that the, the, the fact that Shane Warne was a fabulous person, generously spirited, as we've just heard your story. Do you know, he used to line them up, didn't he? When there were too many people, he'd organise the queue for the autograph. Unbelievable! He? He'd Honestly, set them up so you—you you guys come there, then you can come turn left around that corner, and then you'd be ready, and then and then we can move faster that way. It was a show in itself, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a show to watch him warning sign autographs. So just yeah. he turned that into a uh, something what you had to yeah. had to and watch. Sometimes you take miss. the selfie, but no, mate, I'm better with the phone than you. Well, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> were you at the game? Well, he did. He did that as well. KP does that, by yeah. the way. Were you at the game when um, he had to go out at the MCG? And go and organise all the crowd because I think it was one, a yeah, couple of games. Yeah. Somebody would hit in a golf ball, weren't they, onto the pitch and we had to come off. Twice he had to do it. And he went onto the pitch and obviously calmed everyone down. And then another time... Well, when Alex, they, they were... Because of... Uh, there was an England fielder on the boundary who was hit by a golf ball. <laughs> and Al- Alex Stewart was now worried about his boundary fielders in a really tense one-day international. Yeah, I was one house of them. That you were playing, yeah. And so he called Warney out. And Warney went the whole way across the ground. Then do you remember what happened? He got near to that Bay 13 area on the far side from the yep. dressing rooms. And he borrowed a crash helmet from one of the batsmen. And he put it on. And he went to the crowd and he pointed at the crash helmet as if to say, that's what these fielders need. You're going to have to cut this out. Otherwise, we won't. And he took the crash helmet off. And then he bowed as they cheered. And <laughs> then he asked them to bathe themselves. And they did. And the game continued. It was an amazing bit of showmanship. But actually, it was a measure of the stock in which he was held at home in Melbourne. And actually, you could say all over the world, I reckon if he'd done that anywhere, the crowd would have responded in the same way. Absolutely. And I think one of the things um, what people are going to know about Shane Warne is, and you touched on it there, Mark, at the start of your article, is but how generous he was with his time. He used to donate so much time. He came over to England. He, he changed in between Australia um, uh, and the UK. He had a lot of work here. Uh, and he used to come over here and, and donate uh, so many days uh, to charity. And he always ended up doing far too many, more than his diary would uh, allow him. But I've got so many messages. You know when you, you do this and you start going through your phone and you're going through all the messages and the things he sent me, um, uh, for, for the boss here, by the way, um, we'd met only once before in Australia and huge um, Scott Scott Taunton and he sent him a lovely message um, on his birthday 50th birthday and he did stuff like that 
no matter where he was in the world, whether he were commentating in Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, or India, or whether he was in the UK just around the corner, he'd just stop, do the video, and send it. And he was so generous with his time, and he did so much for charity. And, and, and I, I feel now, I was so lucky, so lucky to meet him, so lucky to play against the, one of the greatest cricketers the world's ever seen, and get to know him as a friend. And, and only last October, Mark, we spent so much time with him, didn't we, at the Dunnell Links um, in, in Scotland. We had a terrific time. I was in a bubble because uh, we had to be in a bubble during that period. And our bubble was Rick Lewis, his good friend, the guy who's got the love arts on, on, on the caps, which you'll have seen Warney wear on numerous occasions. Me, Rooty, um, and Vaughney. Um And we had a terrific six days in Scotland. Mm. And, and I'll remember that forever. Absolutely yeah, forever. You talk about all the texts. I mean, here's one from to me from Raj, and I'm all the uh, BBC journalist. Um, how much less bright and gold this world will be without him. He was sunshine made flesh. Uh, and he was. He brightened a room. Um, in fact, he brightened everything that you did. So let, let, let's have a, a little bit more fun because, cracky, took some risks. I mean, he played the tables. He loved his poker. Uh, he loved a bet on the golf that he played. Um, and, and he sort of took life to the limit in every single way. When he went out with him, it was the ultimate night out, wasn't it? And, and your last one was at the Dunhill Lynx Championship. Um, earlier, well, no, not, not earlier this year. Sorry, in in, in October. October yeah. And and it, the night before, he went out to play, made the cut. He went out to play the final round, in which he, of nine handicap, shot seventy around St Andrews, two under par of a nine handicap gross, and he was getting eleven shots. And they they were sixteen under him and Ryan Fox, his professional partner, and they only failed by one shot to win the tournament. And you were with him to four o'clock in the morning. Dare I say? Well, two days that left. Of course, we was in bubbles and we couldn't go outside, out in St. Andrews, which uh, Warney would always love a little visit into St. Andrews. He loves the place, right? So uh, we had this marquee up, um, uh, which Johan, um, obviously the organiser and owner uh, of the golf tournament, had set up. And we literally was there, the last to leave two nights before the final round. And then on the last night, sorry, the night before the final round we there's a big party isn't there with lots of fireworks and I, I said and I joke about it now it's one of the I've never seen Warney I, I never see Warney as a big drinker I never saw him as a no a, he's a binge drink drinker yeah I he, never saw him he, as a big drinker he wouldn't drink. drink for weeks on end yeah exactly and, and then and when he had a night out it was monster <laughs> yeah and it was a monster vodka and Red Bull and I think he was so nervous because he very rarely made the final round did he and he made it and he was so shocked he made it because it was a like the last four he knocked me out by the way he knocked me out. I was in the mm. final round and he knocked me out by birdie in the last two holes with his partner, Ryan Fox. Last three. I was playing with him. Yeah, so he knocked he me out. He birdied yeah. the last three holes, which the only way they could make the cup was if they birdied the last three. Correct. And Warren did it himself. Foxy hit it into a bush at the, their third hole from home. And Warney made a yeah. three at the par four. He then made a two at the par three. And he then, uh, actually, <laughs> they both birded the par five last. He did. And I think he was so nervous. And he thought, oh, he's got no chance of winning. Because he just made it, didn't he, into that final round. Yeah. That was King's Barnes. We were playing it the wrong yeah. way around. Any golf expert out there picking me up on that. It was King's Barnes. And we started on the back nine. And so he was playing the front nine. Yeah. Second, if you see what I mean. Uh, so he birded seven, eight, and nine. Actually, birded six, seven, eight, and nine. In fact, but anyway. Um, so, so you, you're going hard. Uh, he's bowling leg breaks at Michael Vaughan, who's batting with a coke bottle, 
and Joe Root's fielding a silly point. Maybe I shouldn't tell these stories away. It was holiday time, though, and you were at short leg. Yeah, I was at short leg, and um, I say it was a great evening, and uh, we had so much fun. And I want to tell you a a story what happened, actually, as well. Uh, During our round that day, we all used to meet in the jigger after we'd all played our rounds at different places. So some might be playing at Carnoustie, some might be playing at Kings Barn, some might be playing at St Andrews. So we sat down, we're having a chat. So our bubble, right, it's Rick Lewis, me, Warney, um, and Rooty. Um, and he sat down, Joe Root, and he tried to persuade, I didn't know if you know this, Mark, he tried to persuade Warney to coach England in the build-up to the Ashes last winter. And Warney, you can imagine the smile on his face. He was, I, you could see he wanted to do it, but he was also that loyalty to Australia. But, um, but Joe... Joe kept asking him and asking him and asking him. And I thought he was getting closer and closer yeah. and closer. And he said, let me think about it and I'll give you a call. And then w- two days after the tournament finished, Warney texted me. He said, have you got Joe's number, by the way? I forgot to get his number. And I thought, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And obviously it didn't happen. But, yeah. uh, the, well, he and, did and the, like a challenge. He um, did. And, and of course, I, uh, he, how do I say this? He would help anybody. He, there, there was no, you don't play for Australia or you don't play for... Uh, Hampshire, where you don't play for, um, uh, you know, Melbourne. I mean, it, Victoria, you, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I will help you. And, and not just with leg spin. He would talk to you about the psychological side of the game, of which he was a master, of course. He'd talk to you about, if you were a batsman, he'd talk to you about what a bowler was looking for, uh, what flaws in your technique he'd try to expose in certain situations. He loved the game. He loved helping people with the game. And, and he didn't mind the idea of a stronger England. He thought a stronger England was very important for cricket. He liked Joe Root. He thought he had a bit to learn about captaincy. He wanted him to make more runs in Australia. They were the two things he felt about Root. And he thought he could help him with both of those things. So he did think about it. Mark, he used to call me up when we were playing um, against national, other, other teams when we were playing at the time and give me advice on how to ball uh, to certain players from other countries. I couldn't believe that. So I got uh, one of the... well if not the biggest legend who was playing at the time, calling me up and giving me advice on how to ball to other players from other countries, whether it be Cullen and whether it be Jack Palace, whether it be, you know what I mean? He, he was amazing to, to just give you advice and stuff. And he was a spinner and I was a, a kind of fast bowler, but he was still felt he was knowledgeable, knowledgeable enough to give me advice on and how to get them out. And I appreciated that. Yeah, you both emerged pretty much the same time. So he was yeah. 92 and then made his name really with that ball to Mike Gadding in 93 in England. Then you came into the England side in 94 against New Zealand, but toured Australia in 94-5. So the first time England played in Australia against Shane Warne was with you in the side. And two big characters, larger-than-life characters, leading the expression of character and personality in their teams. And, and, and that was very much like-minded souls, but operating on opposite sides mm. of the fence. How much time would you have spent, would the teams have spent together with each other after matches in those days? Would you have a drink in the dressing room after play and that kind of a thing? Well, I think because we both love the game, and I remember one of the early, um, after days play, the players then, it was just that swap over where a lot of players just disappeared. But I remember going in the dressing room with Graham Gooch, Mike Gatti, Mike Atherton, um, and it might have been Alex Stewart. They're the only ones that stayed behind um, after the first day in um, Brisbane. And along came Warney, Healy, Boone, 
Um, and I'll never forget that because they're in the dressing room and you're chatting just cricket. We're legends of the game. I was just a young kid and Warney was really same age as me. Um, was a young kid as well, but we were both there just gathering information from legends of the game. And, uh, and I think that's when we kind of hit it off where we were very similar personalities, I would say. The way we played the game, um, the way we probably are um, in our personal. We want to help people. Um, we love the game. Um, but he took... He took superstardom to another level. I mean, a mm. totally well, that a was different my point in that superstardom to anybody else. Yeah, that piece that I, I wrote about him uh, that appeared on Crick Info. But uh, I, you know, talking about the fact that you know Sean Connery wanted to meet him, uh, and Mick Jagger wanted to say goodbye to him, and 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 Chris Martin and Ed Sheeran came for barbecues round at his place. You know, he 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 could mix it, but he was the same. He was the same with with. With the ordinary fella, as he was with the superstar, exactly the same. Ex- exactly the same. But I think he was suited to superstardom. That's what I mean. He was comfortable in superstardom. He he enjoyed being around big, huge personalities, big names, superstars. Where a lot of us aren't. But I think with Shane Warne, no matter who he meets, they will know who he is. I said Mick Jagger walks down the street and sees Shane Warne. He goes and chats to him, right? It's a, it's a little bit like Chris Gale. Uh, yeah. Chris Gale uh, at the minute. Everybody knows who Chris Gale is. And I think Warne, no matter where he was in the world, everybody, anybody who's anybody would know who Shane Warne was. Okay, I'm going to read a little more from that piece. He became a terrific commentator, listening and learning from others and applying his remarkable cricketing intelligence to the stories he was telling. He liked cricket, kept simple. He loved the game to fizz and to sparkle, and he believed implicitly that attack was the ultimate answer to defence. He spread a gospel of spirit and enterprise, trusted his intuition, raged against the dullards, and refused to believe that anything was beyond him or the teams for which he played. He lived off the blame the messenger and always get ahead of yourself mantra that when you think about it is pretty much exactly how he lived in every situation in which he found himself. He made cricket cool and he made those around him happy. It was extraordinary, Goffey, wasn't it? That blame the messenger and always get ahead of yourself. Nothing was ever his fault and he'd always moved on to the next thing. He refused to have regrets about things. Exactly. And... um... He just news. He's just Mr. News wherever he goes. People want a bit of a shame one. He's such a used character, good-looking bloke, um, sport Billy, known all around the world. He wanted to be involved in anything that was going on. His loves in his life, obviously, with his family, but he loved... I mean, golf was right up there, wasn't it, alongside cricket. And people think, oh, he was just a great at cricket, but he loved the game as well. He worked in it, and he wanted to be coach. He talked about being coach of, of England, didn't he? Only uh, last month, and uh, wishing, but he, he he's going to apply for it. He'd, he'd love to have a go at that. He was doing the London Spirit in the hundred. He was doing his commentary. He'd been with the Rajasthan Royals as a mentor, um, um, as well. But when you go back and you're on about the messages, my last message from Warney was. Um, Hey, mate, he said, um, got a tea time tomorrow, Beaverbrook. Me and you are going to take on um, TC, which is Kroll, Zach Crawley's dad, and Rob Key. He said, you're up for it. Um, this was like at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, I said, unfortunately, Warney, um, I'm on the breakfast show tomorrow at TalkSport. I won't be able to make it. This was just before he went back uh, to Australia in uh, the end of October. I, I, to this moment, I wish I'd have played golf with him. I, I, I wish I would have gone and played golf. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Um, Let's turn to his commentary because he really had become a master of that art. Um, he studied it. He listened to mm. people. He obviously enough, I think, revered Richie Benno, who was his not. I wouldn't so much say as his teacher specifically, but but he was his example. He was his standard, um, and he learned. He had a habit of repeating himself, and he learned trying not to repeat himself. He, he, he felt at times he exaggerated things for the sake of dramatic effect, and he liked to try to pull back on that. He really became a, a, an expert commentator, and of course, the brilliance of his cricket mind isn't necessarily easily turned into a television communication. But he found a way, and in the end, was as good a listener as perhaps has ever been on the intricacies intricacies of the game. A box office uh, commentator, I think, is a, a must listen um, for, for his opinions. Um, he speaks from his heart, uh, can sometimes get him in trouble. Um, but he's got so much knowledge of the game, working out batsmen for many, many years as uh, the greatest leg spin bowler ever. Um, and one of the top five cricketers of the century, as voted for by Wisden. So there's so much knowledge there. And he wanted to get that knowledge across to everyone that was listening and tried to explain it the best way he could. And sometimes you're right, a champion um, a champion cricketer sometimes might not be a champion coach or a champion commentator. But for me, he was definitely that. I enjoyed listening to him. Yes, I, I think that's well summed up. Um, so you would think with this multifaceted guy and his uh, gifts that he might have found home life um, challenging. On the contrary, he was the most marvellous father. So I'll read again. 
He completely adored his parents, Keith and Bridget. He was a loyal brother and friend to Jason, his brother, and doted on his three children. The girls, Brooke and Summer, are heartbroken. Their dad won't be walking them down the aisle one day. Jackson, his son and closest mate, is in denial, sure that his father will walk through the door tomorrow. Wonderful husband he may not have been, and that by his own admission. But wonderful father he truly was. The Warns were a fine family, and it hurts deeply to think of their pain. He was so devoted to those kids. They came first, come what may. Well, he, he tried to get them with him wherever he was in the world, wouldn't he? But obviously they've, they've grown up now and uh, they've got their own lives and it become harder and harder for them. So he started to spend more time at home, would you Absolutely say? I would say right. over the yeah, last yeah. two years, uh, at one point he was literally coming over to the UK, staying in the UK for a few weeks, then flying back to Australia for a week, then coming back to the UK. He did so many air miles, but... Um, with COVID as well, he probably ended up spending a lot more time at home. He got really, really close to his kids, closer to his kids. Um, they started to understand him more. I think he accepted, and if you've watched the Shame One documentary, is but he wasn't great um, when he was travelling, when he was playing. Like a lot of us are, we're selfish. Um, and we have loads of regrets about when we're playing um, and the way we probably were when we went home. We're a bit distant. We're too focused on on trying to be the greatest we could be and he admits that in the documentary but I think definitely since he retired uh, retired, and especially this last three years he was absolutely 100% with his family yeah. all the time Yeah, and his mum Bridget um, I mentioned that he, he learned to play tennis on the court in Bob Hawke's backyard his mum Bridget was the, the housekeeper for, for the Hawks for Bob and his, and, and his wife and, and Bob used to say bring the boys round and Shane and Jason go around, he'd go on the court with them. Bob Hawke loved tennis and he he taught them. And Shane became a superb tennis player. When He, he played in some exhibition games with some big-name players. And they all said, whoa, he can really play. Natural ball striker. And Tim Henman had actually fixed a game for him with Tim on grass at Wimbledon this summer. A place where virtually no man except Tim Henman can go so that sadly won't happen um yes a remarkable all-round talent and his mum bridget who's had a bit of a rough time of late will be oh well it's just horrendous to think of 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 how they're missing their boy over there in australia so we're telling the story of shane warne to some degree uh, little stories that darren and i have gathered over the years um, and celebrating his life. It comes in two parts as we're covering England in the West Indies. So we've talked about the man today. Finally, his attributes, Goffey, in short from you, the two or three main things that made him such a special person. His blonde hair, his personality (laughs) and his love of life. His love of? Life. Love of life. Blonde hair, personality love of life, to which I might add generosity of spirit and loyalty of friendship. Um, I'm going to leave you with the last paragraph of, of that piece that was on Creek Info. So it is that we've come to an end. It seems barely believable that the worn smile is no more. By 52 years of age, he'd had a hell of a run, living five, maybe ten lives or more. Every day in every place, the magic appeared in one form or another, and you just had to be lucky enough to be there and have it rub off on you. It's gone now, but better to have loved and lost than not to have known him at all. There will never be another. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. 
And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmison, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. The Following On podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 